What's up, everybody? It's Michael Nedemeyer here with Joe Geary, and we are your host of the Witwin Podcast, whatever it takes, whenever it's needed. Today, we're going to be talking about when to make your first hire. This is one of the most common questions we get. People ask when they're in business, they're in sales, they're operating as a, as a solopreneur and out there making it happen, and they start to get to a point where they need help. And they ask, when is the right time to get leverage? And when do I start looking to hire an administrative staff to start offsetting my workload? And to be honest, my answer is as soon as possible. You need to be thinking about getting leverage in your business as quickly as possible. And for the majority of us as salespeople, our natural skill set is not task or compliance oriented. And we need that type of person in our lives to add structure to it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that, especially just being a young salesperson. I'm just all about getting after it, not really about... Uh, the organ, organizational model of keeping things in check and keeping things in order. Uh, so I did put some questions together for you today, Michael, uh, just to kind of go over, um, you know, what you've been through with your experience as far as building a team, and maybe you could teach us some lessons and spit some fire for us today on, you know, kind of how to start off with your first hire and get as big as growing, you know, a team that does multi-million dollars in sales. Absolutely, yeah, most yes. definitely. So my first question would be then, uh, what made you decide you wanted to hire, have a team or to hire your first person, what, what was that point for you when you said, okay, this is enough, I need to hire somebody or I need to uh, grow or expand just outside myself? Well, looking at, so I've always wanted to, I've always enjoyed building businesses and that's always been a goal is not to, uh, back when I was in production and selling houses, if I was good at that, but it was never really a passion of mine. I always wanted to, to build more and create more opportunities for people. And so part of it was back when I was in production, I kept hitting the same production year after year after year after year. And I realized that in order to really grow and take this to the next level, you're going to need to start surrounding yourselves with other talented people to really grow the organization. So that was a big thing was I was I was kind of like, you know, salespeople, we have that entrepreneurial spirit. But at the same time, you're going to hit a point when you're going to hit your natural ceiling of achievement. You're going to get to that point where you're you're out there running and going and going and going. Your phone never stops ringing. It's, you're not taking any time off, and you're just you're just hammering day in and day out and day in and day out. And you can make really good money doing that. The question is, how sustainable is it? Can you keep that pace for ten years? Can you keep it for fifteen years? Keep it, can you keep it for twenty years? And what? And the answer is probably not. And what I found too is that if I ever wanted to make more money than I was making, I needed to take a step back to sprint forward. And that's where I realized that it's I need to get some leverage in my life. And really, you need to be looking to hire people that can offset and complement your weaknesses. For a lot of people as salespeople, we're naturally good at going out and connecting with people, with talking to people, with, with driving business and driving those profit and driving those numbers forward. What we're not good at is, is a compliance end of it. Or, you know, like for me back in the day, it would take me forever to get a paycheck, to get a commission check because I, my paperwork was a mess. That just wasn't a strength. So you need to start looking to find people like that that can offset that. And a big part of, especially let's take into consider, like let's use an example of real estate, right? That's the space we all work in. Most common mistake that realtors make is that they, they first hire, they start getting super busy. So instead of building the foundational core of your team, which is your administrative hub, they go out and hire an agent to start working with buyers on their behalf or working with showing property. And they don't build that core structure. And what happens is they start, they continue to generate sales, but they never build that, that core group that's really going to help provide great customer service, that's going to help provide, you know, you know basically like all of your administrative in, in one place. That's what you need to focus on. How do you build that? 
Yeah, I completely agree. And would you say it's the same for somebody who's, if you flip the script, so we're talking about someone who's a high salesperson, they're big on getting after it, uh, making sales. What about for that person um, who wants to have more than themselves and they're just like in the administrative role, they want to start their own business, how do they go after it? So you're saying they're currently an yeah, administrator? Yeah, currently an admin. Maybe they're on a team they don't like, or maybe they're just you know on their own doing some freelance work. Would you say it's the same role, or would you say they have to you know find that salesperson and kind of flip the screw? Well, yeah. So that's that's going to be part of it. If your natural skill set is not to go out and sell, and, and you're more of a uh, you know I want to be I want to be you know working on the compliance side of things, then yeah, you need to go find some high level salespeople that want to go out there and make it happen. Now the nice thing is there's there you can find those people and they would be willing to join a team because you can offset that workload of the stuff that they don't enjoy doing. Right? Like for you or I, we're not like we're not fans of when we have to sit in a compliance meeting or mm-hmm. making sure all of our duck you know, our I's or T's and I's are dotted and T's are crossed. Yeah. Right. And we want to so there you definitely can. It's not like in order to run a team, you don't have to have a sales background or a people skill set. You could be very good at building your core. And you're building your foundation, your pillar there. Awesome. So my next question then is, what has been the biggest struggle for you uh, personally with building the team? So I think there have been a lot of struggles over the years. I think that you you learn a lot as you as you each hire that you make, you you learn from it. Uh, and so I think that the big thing is, in early on, I didn't understand the importance of your first hire. I didn't understand the importance of how a good administrator can take your business to the next level. And I was looking at it like, who's the cheapest? All I need them to do is paperwork, right? So I was like, I just need somebody that's going to do paperwork. And so it doesn't have to be a highly talented person. Now, I look at that totally different today than I did you know, 10 years ago or eight years ago. And what I see today is that this first hire is probably the most important hire you'll ever make. This is somebody that may, could possibly run the team for you one day. And that's the way you need to treat it. You don't need to treat it like, I need to find somebody cheap that can do paperwork for me. Because when you find truly top talent and you take the time to, to invest in finding that right person, they can help take your business to the next level. Because all of a the sudden, they're stepping into place and taking so much off your workload. We call it the 80-20 rule, right? It's, it's their, their, their 20% is your 80%, right? We make the bulk of our money when we focus in our 20%. So we need to be focused on how do we go make more sales? How do we get in front of more people? They need to be focused on what needs to be done on a day-to-day basis to make sure we're keeping continuing to push the business forward and keeping us in line and building our systems and models. Because at the end of the day, that's how you scale a business. If you don't have good systems in place, you're never going to be able to scale a business. Yeah, I agree completely with that. And I think a lot of people too, uh, just from the outside looking in, is a lot of people see like an admin or their first hire as more of an expense rather than an investment. Yes, absolutely. And just like in the stock market, obviously you're going to want to see a return. And would you agree with that? Like if you don't see a return with that investment you've made, would you want to make a fire quickly or how soon would you want to reevaluate what you should do with that person? Definitely. So, so the old saying, slow to hire, quick to fire, right? And what we mean by that is you need to be checking in with your new hire almost daily. It should be daily, honestly. And you might be like, oh, that sounds like micromanaging. Well, in the beginning you need to be sitting right next to that person so they can learn your business inside and out. It's possible that they're not in your industry or they're coming from another industry. They can be a highly talented person, but what we can't do is just say, okay, here's what I need you to do. Go figure it out. You hear a lot of people say, well, top talent figures it out on their own, which is kind of true, but they also need a little bit of guidance. You can't just put them on an island by themselves and say, good luck. Go fix this mess for me that I've created. 
And then when they don't do it the way you want it done, then you get upset and you're like, oh, they're not the right hire. They're not top talent, this or that. So it's checking in daily and making sure that one, you've got clear expectations with what the role is. Let them know, here's what we're currently doing. And here's what's going to happen. When you do that and you're sitting down with them every day and kind of and really starting to dial in the process and show them, here's what we've developed so far. Here's where I'd like to get. Here's where I'd like to go. Top talent person is going to come to you and say, hey, we're doing it this way and it's great. Here's what we could do to make it better. And they're going to be looking for things to make your process better. And that's something that Sarah, when we when our team hired Sarah, she stepped into a process that we already had in place and made it 100 times better. Right. And that's what we're looking for. So that's the type of admin, the administrative people that you want. You don't want the person that's going to come in, show up at nine o'clock. They're going to leave at four o'clock as soon as it's four o'clock, regardless if their workload's done or not. And all they're doing is looking at doing their daily tasks. That's kind of like cul-de-sac talent, right? They're going to get the job done, but they're not going to do much more than that. And for that first hire, that, that might be an okay first hire for you in the beginning, but that person's probably not going to grow your business. They're going to help your workload and help you, you know, stay in your 20%, but they're not going to be a person that's going to help you really take it to the next level. So that person could get outgrown quickly as you start to make, make the need for or have the need to make a second hire. That second hire now needs to be somebody that can help push the business forward. Yeah, I agree completely with that. And it's kind of like from the book, um, The Magic of Thinking Big, where they talk about the three bricklayers. The first one they ask, um, they're all building a brick wall. The first one they ask, what are you doing? He says, I'm making uh, like $6 an hour or whatever. The next one says, I'm putting a brick wall together. And the third one says, I'm building a cathedral. Exactly. You kind of have to look for that person, it seems like, that's building that cathedral who has a long-term vision. Uh, because in the beginning, you're probably not going to be making a ton of money. And you're not going to be able to compensate them very well, but they have to be someone who can truly see the vision and be able to stick around long enough where they can earn that compensation for their initial investment at the beginning. You're absolutely right, because that's one of the things right now, too, where people are probably looking at, how do I pay this person? Mm-hmm. Right? If Let's just say, because there's actually percentages, there's there's a lot of books out there on how to structure and how to pay people. And the way you look at it, your, your salaries and benefits could be anywhere from 5% of your, your commission income or your total income up to 19%. So the way you look at this is like if you're making a hundred grand and you say, okay, how do I find, so if my, if I only have 5% to spend, or even if I only have 19% to spend, that's $19,000 if I'm making a hundred thousand dollars, right? You're not going to find top talent necessarily if, for, if you're offering $19,000, so one important thing to understand is that your model, it, it, you're not going to be in model and you're not going to be within, like if you have to pay somebody about 30, I found typically that $30,000 a starting point, you can find some talented people. Right now there's proven talent, which are people that are, have already been in the marketplace for a number of years. They've got the experience. They've got the know-how. Somebody like that might not take a step back if they're making 60, 70, 80, 100 grand. They, might, they probably won't go back to $30,000 unless you have an incredible vision for them mm-hmm. that you can execute on. But you can find people that are kind of somewhat of emerging talent. They're not necessarily proven yet, but you see them as a talented person that can help you grow the organization. And you show them that, look, here's where we're currently at. We're making $100,000. I need you to help me take it to the next level. If we double our income, now all of a sudden, let's just say you're at 19%, uh, a 200 grand, what's that, 40 grand, mm-hmm. something like that. So, so now they're at 40 grand. So they get a 10K bump in the first year. Right. And as it keeps going, and keep in mind too, the 19% is really at about a million dollars GCI. You have about $190,000 to spend on an admin, on an admin team. At that point, you're going to have more than one admin typically. So if you're somebody that's making hundred grand right now, you may need to spend $30,000 or do you even need an admin? 
The answer for me, I would be say yes, because I feel like in, hiring the right administrative person can take your business to the next level. But something to keep in mind is you can find a part-time person possibly. You can find somebody to uh, that, that operates on um, basically that handles contract to close if you're in the real estate space. So that way it's more of a cost of sale. You're paying them every time you're getting paid. You're not necessarily, you don't have a fixed expense, but you have a cost of sale expense. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And you'll see a lot of people, especially in the real estate industry, they'll go out and they'll hire their first admin. Just kind of like, do you really need one or is it uh, necessary that you absolutely must have one? You'll see some people out there that they'll go and hire an admin right away. They'll go and hire somebody. And then on the other end, they're just not doing anything. They're just hiring that person. Their sales are the exact same. Their numbers even go down sometimes. And instead of finding something where they can be efficient or create the results or more of those results, they just get very comfortable and their numbers decline or just stay the same. They're actually making less money now because they have to pay that expense of the salary. That's a great point. It happens all the time. And and you get people that, yes. So that's something you have to think about. And that's where you have to think about the vision of where do you see yourself and your company going? Where do you, Where is the vision? So Because if you're pitching a vision to an admin, because to be honest, if you're hiring an admin, you're taking on a great responsibility. You're taking on, that's that person's livelihood now. So it's not okay to say, oh, I can't pay you this week. There's not enough in the account. I just bought a boat and I don't have payroll now, right? Or it's it's not an ego thing. You're not hiring somebody to say, oh, I have an assistant. That's one thing on our team. No one on our team will ever be called an assistant. Not that there's anything wrong with being an assistant at all. I just feel like people say, oh, my assistant, because they want to sound like they're so important. Mm-hmm. right like we have administrative people on our team we have staff we have operations people but i never say oh my assistant or this or that it's there's so much more than that right and they're helping us grow and take the business to the next level but to your point joe if you're hiring somebody and your your objective is to sit on the couch more and have more free time and not drive the business forward for one you're going to have a hard time finding somebody that's a true driver because they're going to say, well, I want more. And the only way I make more money is if the company makes more money. And if your goal is to sit home more or spend more time with your kids, your family or whatever, we're not going to, and there's no, there's no goal of having an income increase. How is that person going to make more money? Right. And so it's, it's a privilege that, and, and you're going to, that, that person will end up outgrowing you pretty quickly because they're going to say, well, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere where there's a bigger vision and a bigger objective for the team. So I can make more money as well. Because at the end of the day, as the team grows and the sales grow and the business grows, that's how your administrative team is going to increase their income. And when they know that and when they're in line with that, that's when you start getting people that start showing up early. They stay late. They work on weekends. They get it done because because there's a higher purpose. It's not just I'm clocking in at 9, I'm leaving at 4, it's Friday at 4 o'clock, I'm going home, I'm not thinking about anything until Monday. I show up on Monday, oh my God, my email's full, my inbox is full of emails, right? When you get people that are on the same page with you and, and, and the, the vision's aligned, that the more we drive sales and we increase business and the more money that comes in means that their pay is going to increase. It's a direct reflection of that. Those are the people you want that get it, and they're not just clocking in for a paycheck. To your point, the cathedral. You want mm-hmm. cathedral builders, not somebody saying, I'm making 10 bucks an hour. I'm showing up. I'm going to get my $10 an hour. I'm going to go home. I'm not doing anything until Monday, and then I'll start working again. They're working for money. They're not bought into your vision of how do you push the business forward. Absolutely. So my next question, and just like you said, slow to hire, quick to fire. When do you know when it's the right time to let that person on or even let that person go? So you can know quickly. Like the, the one biggest one for me is do they show up on time or are they early, right? Like that's, that's, that's the telltale. I mean, the first day they show up on time, great. Second day, great. Come Friday, they're 10 minutes late. 
oh, sorry, uh, traffic, right? Well, you have to account for traffic, so leave a little earlier, right? And so that's one of the things where it's um, – that's a big one right there. What's their work ethic? Like those are just effort metrics, right? But the next thing is are they grasping the concepts within the first – so like I said earlier, have you explained to them what the role is? Have you explained to them what their job description is? Is there clarity around that? Is there clarity around what they're supposed to do day in and day out? If not, that's on you. But if you do establish clarity in that and that you have a defined description, job, defined task, defined job uh, role, then if they're not hitting it, you'll know in about 30 days if they're going to be the right fit. And if you know they're not the right fit, like I hear a lot of people will be like, well, they've been on six months. Yeah, I need to find somebody else. They're just not the right fit. But you continue to pay this person to not do the job that you expect of them. And a lot of times, too, it's because people just won't have tough conversations. So if you have, if they're not hitting the expectations or the standards that you set forth, you need to sit down with them and explain to them, hey, here's what we're currently doing. When I brought you on, here's the expectations. Here's what's expected. Here's what we're currently producing. It's not up to par with that. What do we need to do to correct this? You need to be having those check-ins constantly. And when you decide to become the boss or the leader of a team, you have to get used to having tough conversations. And a lot of people try to avoid tough conversations and sweep it under the rug. And the only thing that happens there is the culture. It affects your culture. It affects your standards because now all of a sudden if you had standards in place, people can say, well, they're not doing it, so why should I have to do it? And that's not what you want. And you have to get those things in line quickly and you have to constantly be you know, checking in on those things. It's kind of like as a, as a pilot, if you fly to Hawaii and you're like one degree off, you end up in, I don't know, like Fiji, something <laughs> like that, right? So it's, it's, I don't know the exact term, but it's, it's one of those things where you have to be course correcting. A pilot just doesn't set his direction and fly and expect to get there. He's course correcting for wind and everything like that constantly throughout that trip so he doesn't end up way far from his destination. It's the same thing when you make a hire. You have to constantly be course correcting and checking in to make sure things are being done the way you want them to be done. Exactly. And one term I heard you bring up, it pretty much sounds like extreme ownership too. If that person is not following through, look at yourself first to see, have I explained everything Mm -hmm. the correct way? Have I made things very clear or have I just kind of put the job out there, let them take it over? Is it completely their fault or is it really my fault? Am I the one not fully explained it to them? I think that's a big thing to look at yourself first Mm -hmm. before you blame on others because I think extreme ownership is one of the, if not the most important uh, leadership tactic hundred percent agree. It's, it's easy to blame other people and it's hard to, it's hard to really self-reflect and look at yourself and think maybe I was the problem in that. Maybe I didn't give that person a fair go because I didn't, I wasn't the leader I should have been. And that's where I feel too. Like from day one, when I started on this journey to now, I'm a much different person. I'm a much different leader than I was back then. And it's just, and some of it just takes time and, and, and it takes time to develop your skill set and learn. The question is, do you want to? And are you willing to put in the time and effort? Are you reading? Are you developing leadership skills? Are you going to seminars and learning from other people that have built businesses? Or is it just something where you're like, I'm going to hire an admin so they can take the you know the work off my plate. I have no vision or, or, or um, goal of increasing our income so they can make more money. That for me is, how do I go make, how do we make admin our team? How do we make them millionaires, right? In addition to salespeople on our team, how do we make everybody on the team millionaires with mass, multiple flows of income, pillars of income? To live the biggest life possible. Because you know what sucks? It sucks when there's one person in the organization making all the money and nobody else is. Like what fun is that? Where there's one person making the money, nobody else is because you're, you're too cheap to pay them and you want all the profit. Or That's the other thing too is when you go to hire somebody now, because here's the, here's the thing. If you're in sales and you're, you're selling and you're making money, you're making really good money. Now all of a sudden you're keeping 100% of what you're making. Now all of a sudden you're reinvesting money back into your business. 
So you're with the money you were making, you're not going to be making now because what happens when you start growing a team is you pay everybody else and what's left over, hopefully there's money left over, that's what you take home. Whereas before when you're on your own, check comes in, you're good to go, you might have a little of expenses, but now all of a sudden it's totally different. Everything else gets paid first and you're hoping there's money left over to pay yourself. So the big thing is when you do this is you have to make peace with your salary. If you're making 300 grand a year and you don't have an admin, now all of a sudden you're going to hire an admin. You need to establish a salary. You're not living in a $300,000 lifestyle anymore. You're going to, like for me, it was 30 grand for a long time. 30 grand to pay myself. Let's keep growing the team, reinvest money in the profits, continue to grow, 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 grow. And then from there, one day you end up starting to make quite a bit more money because all of a sudden you've got the foundation laid and, and more money's coming in. Was there ever a point in that time when you were paying yourself 30 grand? Because that's not a lot of money, especially mm-hmm. for someone who's you know, fully grown. Um, was there ever a point where you got frustrated with that amount of money you were paying yourself or felt like maybe this isn't going to work? Maybe I should just go back to being on my own and making you know, 100 grand or 300 grand or however much it was? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely times where it was like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Right. So there were definitely times where it was like, is this worth it? Right. You go through an admin like we've had people steal from us. We've had people like just just all kinds of things have happened over the years that you're like, is this worth it? Is it even worth it? I can. Should I just go back to back to my sales job, back to this, focus on this? I was making a good living. I didn't have the headaches. I didn't have, you know, because part of it, too, if you don't have the right people on board, you feel like you're babysitting. When you have the right people on your team, you don't feel like that at all. And that's the importance of really finding the top talented people because when you don't have the right people, you just bang your head against the wall and you can't figure out why it's so hard, right? And like someone, as a Gary Keller, somebody said you're, you're, you're five hires away from just growing a massive empire. And I truly believe that, you know, if you, the right hire makes all the difference in the world. And so it's not going to be easy. You have to reinvest your money back into the company. Like, for me, I'm not a real, I don't spend a whole lot of money. Like I spend a little bit more now than I used to, but I think back in the day I was making like 250 grand. I was driving an Altima. You know, like how many people make 250 grand be driving an Altima? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. I think they have a nicer, and I have nicer cars now, like, you know, but I make more money. And so it's one of the things too, where early on too, like don't go live the baller lifestyle when you start making a little bit of money. Like you might be like, oh, I make 200 grand a year. I'm baller. I'm going to go spot, you know, pop bottles, this and that. Like, save your money, reinvest it back into your business so you can get that 200 grand to $2 million. Then you get that 2 million to 20 million. And how do you keep growing that? It's not by spending, increasing your lifestyle, live the lifestyle you're living right now, increase your income, reinvest your profits back in your business so you can build a stable foundation to really grow that and really make it happen over the years. Absolutely. So my final question, I'm going to tie them kind of together just because we're running out of time, but uh, pretty much what you talked about earlier was the uh, importance of a vision. So how do you create those core values and that culture uh, that kind of live up to that vision within your organization or within your team? So I think the big thing is, for one, you have to know what's the vision for the, for the organization. Where do you see the organization going? Where, how do you, so where do you see it? Where do you see it a year from now, five years from now? Where do you see that growing? I would document that and put that on paper. Right. So here's my vision. Here's where we're going. So you can start sharing that with team members and show them how they can grow within the company as well. And from that now they start to buy in because if it's just in your head and they can't see it, they're going to be like, yeah, whatever. Right. At the end, but put it on paper, document it. Here's where we are. Here's where I want to be next year. Here's where I want to be the following year. Here's where we see ourselves in five years. When we hit these goals, here's where you can be. You can be growing as a leader. You can be managing people. You can be running teams. You can be hitting X amount of income. Lay all of that out. So then you start getting people to buy into your vision. And from a culture standpoint, 
I think you lead by example. I think that too many people, they start bringing people in on the team and then they start do they stop doing what helped get that success to begin with. So if it's if it's making phone calls, if it's out there getting in front of clients, it's if it's generating business and just being present in the in the in the community, whatever you did to help grow that business, continue to do it. And lead by example. And maybe one day you can step out of that role. But I think for an organization, lead generation is the lifeblood of a business. And that's how most of us have built our businesses by being really good connectors with people. Don't stop doing that. You have to keep your foot on the gas and keep that going. Lead by example. Teach others how you did it so they can do it as well. And that goes into the whole point, too, where people will say, well, what if you teach them everything that you know and then they leave? Right? And, and I've, there's actually a meme on that. And it's like what you know, the CFO says to the CEO, like, what if we teach them everything and they leave? And the CFO says, well, what if we don't and they stay? Right? So I'm a big believer. You have some people that will, will be like, well, quit telling them everything. Don't teach them everything because they're just going to go off and run their own team. My goal is teach everybody everything I know, everything. Give people everything I've got, and if they outgrow me, that's on me. Right? If it comes to a point where they can go make more money going on their own and there's more value there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be happy for them. I don't, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, I'm not like, oh, you left me. Dude, if it's, if there's a better opportunity for somebody somewhere, go take it, right? Like that's the, that's what I would do, right? And that's where if a better opportunity came along for our team, we would go take it, right? And, and so I want to teach people every single thing I know and help them grow as a person, help them generate multiple streams of income. And if they outgrow me one day, which hopefully some of them do, honestly, like I hope people on our team just really kick it in the ass and take it to the next level. Like I think we're going to do it as a team and we're growing and we've, we've been growing and we're having the success and the track record to prove that. But at the end of the day, like I, I don't worry about that. I don't worry about like, oh, God, what if they leave? What if what if this or that? It's it's I'm going to keep finding more people. I'm going to keep developing people and we're going to help grow this thing as big as we can get it. And I think that's the key for every organization is you can't live in fear of what if they leave. You need to be focused on how am I helping them grow? Because if they're growing, they're going to help your organization grow. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think it's just more that scarcity mindset of thinking, you know, if I lose this person, they're going to steal everything. They're going to take it all away from me. And I think it's just like the concept of money. Like people were scared that if they invest money here, all their money is going to be gone. There's mm-hmm. no more money out there. There's nothing they can do to continue to create more flows of income and build the flow they have currently. Same thing with people. I think if someone is going to leave them, they think, oh, no, it's going to be horrible there's going to be no more people out there I can get and I can't pour into the other people I have that are doing mm-hmm. the job. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an abundance mindset, right? It's help people grow, help them make more money. If you do that, they're going to stick with you and they're going to help you grow as well. And that at the end of the day, it's, that's just, it's leadership one-on-one, right? Like you're bringing these people into your world to help them. You're not bringing them into so, so they can run around and do all the stuff for you. Right. And that's the big thing too. You hear people be like, I, I hate – I hear people that run businesses and they'll refer to their people as minions. It drives me nuts. It's like seriously like – they really think that. Yeah, they think that. And that's way, the crazy like thing. Above everybody yeah, else. they think yeah. they're way above everybody else and it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And you know as soon as somebody says that, they're not a good leader. Mm-hmm. Like you just know immediately. Like they're a shitty leader. They probably have shitty culture. They probably have an environment where people don't want to be because they think they're better than everybody else. And that's not the way. If you really want to grow an organization, you're not better than anybody. You need to work harder than everybody else, right? But you need to instill that work ethic in your team as well and build that culture that people want to show up. They want to work hard because they know at the end of the day, it's only going to make them better. And so I feel like if you look to grow a team, you need to really reflect and look inside first and figure out, 
are you prepared to go on this journey? Because it's not going to be easy. There's nothing easy about it. But at the end of the day, when you nail it and things start clicking and things start to happen, it's worth every ounce of effort that it takes. It's worth every painful moment that comes across. It's worth every dollar that you spend. It's, it's a great feeling to have an organization where people show up, they're happy to be here, they work hard, and things just are happening. 